I don't remember going to church very often as a child. We definitely did at different times, but we didn't go very consistently. But the one thing that our family did do very consistently was praying. We prayed every single night, and we prayed for the typical things that you might expect a young family to pray for. We prayed for sweet dreams. We prayed for a good day tomorrow. But we also prayed for my Uncle Joel. My Uncle Joel uh, had multiple sclerosis, uh, he, a disease in which uh, the immune system eats away at the protective coverings of nerves in the body. And what that does is it disrupts the communication between the brain and the body, which results in things like vision loss and pain, fatigue. And in just a matter of years, my uncle went from a healthy adult to uh, being in a wheelchair unable to take care of himself. And yet we continue to pray every night for our uncle Joel, that he'd be healed. We prayed and believed and we hoped that there would be some sort of miracle, but it never happened. And my uncle Joel passed away. He left behind a wife, four young kids, and a heartbroken family who still loves and misses him today. Now, if you're someone who's ever prayed, then you're someone who has wondered why God hasn't answered a prayer. If you've ever said out loud or in your head, you've, you've just asked God for something, something that you desperately needed, something you desperately wanted, and it went unanswered, you wonder why that happened. And we may ask ourselves, does God still speak today? And we talked about that a few weeks ago. We said that uh, as we explored evidence that there seemed to be the answer, yes, that God does speak today through a couple different uh, formats. But today I want to talk about what happens when God doesn't speak to us. So yes, God can speak and God does speak, but that definitely doesn't mean that God has to speak. What do you and I do? What do we do when we pray and we pray and we pray and we believe and we hope and God still seems quiet? You pray for a baby, but infertility persists or the miscarriages continue to happen. You pray for the protection of your family and yet a loved one is taken away either by a disease or an accident. And you pray for that job. You pray for the promotion and the raise that will come with it and how it's going to be a game changer for you and your family. But you got passed up for that job again. You've hit a tough financial season like so many people have in the last year. And you pray for blessings, but you're still broke. There are thousands of examples and different variations to the question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Or how can a good God allow pain and suffering? Or why, if God is in control, is this world so broken? I guess what I think that people are really asking in some sense is why doesn't God answer prayer? If God is really out there, if God is speaking today, why doesn't he answer more of our prayers? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, my name is Stephen. I'm lead pastor here at Madison Church. I'm just so glad that you are joining us. Um, we're going through a series uh, covering the first four chapters of the New Testament book, Hebrews. And we've titled this series, Finding My Faith. 
throughout the series. We're going verse by verse and word by word through those first few chapters. Um, and we're learning a lot because the author of Hebrews hits on several topics that are as relevant as ever to human beings. They hit on topics like, does God still speak today? And what if you're somebody who is losing your faith or has lost your faith? And today we're going to talk about how should we respond as people when God doesn't respond to us. Now, if you've missed some of the past weeks of this series, don't have to, you don't have to worry. I'll fill you in on the information that you need to understand today's verses. But I would also invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and catch up on the series because it has been some fantastic content from the book of Hebrews, so much that we can learn together. And if you want to follow along in your own Bibles today, uh, we're going to Hebrews chapter 2, and I would suggest that you follow along. You can use a Bible app on your phone or within our, if you're watching on Sunday mornings for our online gathering. We have a Bible built into the platform, or you might have a a old school paper Bible like I do, but we're going to go to Hebrews chapter two, verse five. And this is a bit of a transitional passage. And what I mean is the previous verses, chapter one, and the previous verses up to this point has been talking about uh, Jesus's divinity. That's kind of been the theme that the author has been working around. And we're about to transition into the part of Hebrews in which the author starts to talk about Jesus's humanity. So we've talked about Jesus's deity, how he is divine, he is God. And in a few verses, we're going to talk about how God is also human. Because in Christianity, we believe that Jesus was not just half human, half God, but that he was fully God and also fully human. And we believe that because of passages and letters like the one that we're studying in Hebrews. And so if you're at Hebrews chapter two, we're going to verse five and we read, furthermore, it is not the angels who will control the future world we're talking about. For in one place, scripture says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them or son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a little while, you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered a death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. And so we come back to Hebrews, we're reading these passages and again, angels come up. And we talked about that a little bit uh, uh, a week or two ago. And we talked about what's the big deal with all of the angels and why do they keep coming up? And the answer is pretty simple because in uh, Judaism, which is uh, who this author was writing to, they were writing to Jewish people who had converted to Christianity. Okay, so they were Jewish, but they converted to Christianity. They believed that Jesus is who he says he is, but they were still having a difficult time. I mean, they lived their whole life believing one thing, and that's that angels stood between people and God. And so it was confusing to them that Jesus came like you and I, but was still God and went back. And so the author wants to keep reiterating that Jesus is not an angel, that Jesus isn't a different type of spiritual being, but that Jesus is God. 
that God is Jesus. And so we come back to this theme of the angels, which they're saying, you know, they have this role and this responsibility, and, and but that's that. And Jesus isn't that. Jesus is this over here. Now, the author quotes Psalms again, and this particular Psalm is another example of the psalmist hundreds of years before Jesus coming uh, were prophesying about Jesus. And so he's, the author is quoting Psalm and it's about Jesus. When we read this passage, what are mere mortals that you should think of them or son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a while you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. This passage, according to the author of Hebrews, is referring to Jesus. This, however, begs the question, you and I, if we're reading closely, what does it mean if Jesus is greater than the angels and Jesus is uh, God and God is Jesus, what does it mean that he was a little lower than the angels? In English, it's a little confusing, but in Greek, it gets cleared up because it can mean one or two things. It can mean that the distance between, the physical distance between Jesus and angels were small, was small, or that it was for a little time for a short period of time. And so because of the context, we know that in this passage, it's referring to a short time. Jesus lived on earth uh, 35 years, roughly. And so uh, for a little while, Jesus was fully human, just like you and I. And in that sense, he was below the angels. But it wasn't for long because the author continues to go on and to say that um, all things have been put under him. So if all things have been put under Jesus, he's in control. He has the power and all people are to submit to Jesus. Then why do unfortunate things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? If the author of Hebrews is correct in saying that all things have been put under Jesus, then why doesn't God answer all of our prayers? Well, the author continues, we have not yet seen all things put under his authority. We have not yet seen all things put under his authority. So while, yes, all things are under Jesus's authority, we're still living in an era in which that is not complete. We talked a few weeks ago about how biblical authors and thinkers really saw time in two different ways. We saw uh, in the Old Testament, we were looking forward to the Messiah. We didn't know if it was going to be Jesus, but it turned out to be Jesus. But now that we know that it's Jesus, we live in the time after him, we look back on Jesus and we live in this time between Jesus's resurrection and his coming back. And it's at that point when Jesus comes back that all things will be put under his authority. And so, yeah, we live in this awkward time right now in which bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and pain and suffering afflicts everybody. Because while things have been put under Jesus' authority, we're still kind of in this realm in which not all things have been finally put under his authority. And this kind of gives us some clues to the question, why does God allow pain and suffering? When we recognize that we live in God's world, God is the creator of you and I and all things in it, and he declared that it was good. But God didn't create the world because he was bored, because he needed something to do, but because God is love and God loves you and God loves me and God loves people. So he creates people and he loves them. But what God is seeking from people isn't a robotic or 
automatic or an artificial response back to him. God didn't program us to accept him, to love him back. God gave us wills. God gave you a will. God gave me a will. God gave every single person free will. In order for us to be able to choose love, to love God, to love other people, we have to be able to choose to not love them. And in some cases, people choose hate. For us to be able to choose God, we have to be able to not choose God, to reject God. And so while we might live in God's world, and and by that kind of conclusion alone, we think, why can't God do whatever God wants whenever God wants to do it, if he's all-powerful? We have to understand that within creation, God has given us all wills because he does not want an artificial response to him. He wants your authentic and honest response to him. He wants your real love, not because you have to, but because you want to. And because we live in God's world with a bunch of different wills, there's of course a war going on and that's God's war with different competing wills, people choosing love, but other people choosing hate. There are going to be bad things that happen to good people, not because God wants them to, but because we live in a world in which people have choices. And if people didn't have choices, then we would. We are boiled down to some form of artificial intelligence, some sort of um, creation that can't think for ourselves, who has a programmed response that we can't take a left here or we can't say this because God has already pre-programmed us. And honestly, if you think about it like that, what kind of life is that? A life in which you're only doing what God had programmed you to do. I mean, certainly you'd get the skip, all of this that we're going through in this life, not just the bad, but also the good. But then you'd have an eternity in which the only thing you could ever do was what God had pre-programmed you to do. And no, I don't think that it's like that. And I don't think that the author of Hebrews thinks that it's like that. I think that because you and I have wills, we are on this earth at this time to make choices. And choices not just for ourselves to choose to love God and to accept God, but to go and help our families, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, sons and daughters, friends, neighbors, and coworkers also make the same choice using our free will and choice to point them in the direction of God and to hope and to pray that they choose God. Now, some people say that I can't believe in a God who would allow so much pain and suffering, a God who allows bad things to happen to good people. And I have two things to say about that. The first is just because we don't like it or just because it's inconvenient doesn't make it not true. For example, if you have a teenage daughter, her boyfriend or the guy picking her up on Friday night, he is inconvenient and that is uncomfortable, but that does not make him any less real or true, right? He's still there, unfortunately, until you show him this video now, and then he'll leave. But just because it's an inconvenient truth doesn't mean that it's not true. Now, yet I do not believe that God is sitting there and just allowing this to happen because he's indifferent toward us. Again, I believe that this is because of different and competing wills. And when we say we can't believe in a God who allows so much pain and suffering, we're rejecting the very premise of the Christian faith, which says something bad, terrible, horrible, 
happened to the best person who ever lived. That person happened to be God. You see, God isn't far away from you and I. God doesn't not understand pain and suffering. He does understand pain and suffering because in his humanity, he experienced pain and suffering. Jesus doesn't just deliver you from evil. Jesus isn't just a get out of hell card. Jesus isn't just a, my life is going to be all healthy and I'm going to be all sorts of wealthy because of him. But Jesus is somebody who has overcome the things of this world. So we don't have a God who just mindlessly lets bad things happen to good people, but we serve a God who was good and let bad things also happen to him in the name of letting you choose love or for you to choose to not love. Now, certainly that's just one angle, one way that we can talk about the question, why does God allow pain and suffering? Why does why do bad things happen to good people? But kind of coming back to the original question, which is what do I do when God is silent? Keep praying, keep hoping and keep believing. Never cut the communication off with God. Just because he's not answering you right now doesn't mean he's not answering you. Just because he's not giving you what you want right now doesn't mean he won't give it to you. A lot of times in life, the answer is not no, not ever, but the answer is no, not right now. We have to continue to believe that God is speaking to us, that the God love that God loves us deeply and sincerely enough to let us choose to accept him or to reject him. And we continue to hope that as we conform our minds and our wills and to transform more to be like him, that our prayers are also transformed. And let's be honest, some of the prayers that we used to pray, we don't want answered. I can't tell you how many girlfriends I prayed would be the one before I met Megan. And I'm really glad God didn't answer those prayers because I love our life now. I love our relationship, our marriage, our two and a half kids. I love our family. And I thank God now for not answering old prayers. Now, certainly though, there are some prayers that are very serious and we really want God to answer them. For years and years, Megan and I have prayed that I'd be able to work at the church full time. And then I was able to. So instead of working two jobs, managing a Starbucks and uh, running the church, which was just uh, a crazy amount of hours, our church grew and expanded to the point where they offered me a full-time job. And that was fantastic and answered prayer. And then Megan and I continued to pray. And we said, we'd love to own a house in Madison. We want to be here. We don't want to just be temporary residents of Madison. We want to be permanent residents of Madison. And people from our small groups years and years ago will tell you that we prayed years and years ago. We're going to own a home someday. God, please. We wanted it so bad and we saved and we would apply and we would talk and we would work and we kept trying and trying and different things continued and kept coming up that blocked us from buying a home. And then this year of all years, COVID-19, like four houses on the market on any given day and our price range not being great, we finally got pre-approved to go look at houses that we could buy. 
and we looked and we looked at a lot of houses and we put an offer in on a house and on that house that we put an offer in, we went 20,000 over asking and we got beat by over 15 different uh, offers. And so Megan and I were praying and we're, and we're asking God, we said, God, for years and years, we've asked for this blessing, this opportunity, and the door just kept getting shut. And then the door finally opened up and, and God, why, why now? Just so that we could just kind of look at houses and fall in love with them and put in an offer and hope and believe only to have it turned down because, well, there are like four houses on the market, right? But we kept hoping we kept believing that God was going to answer this prayer. And one of the houses that we looked at was the biggest house we looked at with the biggest yard we looked at. And it coincidentally was 25% less than all of the other houses that we were looking at. And we put an offer in and two hours after we put the offer in, it was accepted. And we moved into this house this week. We love it. We love the opportunities that we see in the house. We're having fun with it. We love the yard. We just love being in Madison. We love that this prayer was answered now because this home, out of all the homes we've looked at, this one is really special to Megan and I and our family. And we could see ourselves being here a really long time in this home. And so again, we go back to thinking, God, we wanted this for so long. And it wasn't that God was saying, no, not ever. It wasn't even that God was saying, I'm going to be cruel. And now you can have a house, but it's COVID-19 season and there's nothing out there. But God's saying, just hold on, Stephen and Megan, just wait a little bit longer. I've got a house for you in mind. Continue to pursue me, God says, and I will open up doors. What is the thing that you have been praying for that hasn't been answered? Is it the baby? Is it infertility? Is it miscarriages? I'll join you in praying for that and believing that your family is going to happen. Is it the job, the promotion, or the raise? I'm going to pray for you about that too. I believe that God knows what place of uh, where you work, you're going to be happiest at and thrive at. And he is working that in the background right now. And all of the no's up to this point aren't no, not ever, but they're growing opportunities for you, both as a professional, but also for opportunities that come up in the future. Continue to pray for loved ones, for their protection, for their healing. And I will join you in that as well. But if we're taking anything from this passage in Hebrews, we know that God still speaks today. But when God is silent, and sometimes he is silent, let us not question whether he is still out there because he is. Let us not question whether or not he still speaks today because he does. Let us not lose hope. Let us not quit believing. Let's not stop praying because his no, not now isn't a no, not ever. And let us not forget that we don't have a God who's aloof to the things that we're going through, but we have a God who has gone through it and knows exactly what we're going through.